if it is in that, that open way, then you can then say to your line manager, well, okay, I, I respect what you're saying. If you can't, you can't match that figure, but just so that you're aware, that is the figure that I'm seeking. And therefore I will be looking to actually have it matched somewhere else. And, and you can have that, con- that conversation. I really enjoy it here. I, I think you really respect me. I think you, you can see the value, but just know that I hear you, understand what you're saying, but I'm not happy with it. So obviously I, I will be looking at my options. Welcome to the Big Careers Small Children podcast, formerly known as Leaders of Babies podcast. My name is Felina Hefti. I am the CEO and founder of the Social Enterprise Leaders Plus, and I'm recording this podcast as a very well-behaved, sick three-year-old is lying next to me whilst my partner is entertaining two other sick children downstairs. So we are in our household definitely living the dream and occasional nightmare of combining a senior role with young children. And I really do believe we need to support people who want ambitious careers and also want to enjoy their families we need to support people like that more so that you can continue to pursue the career you love and pursue your big career goals whilst also enjoying the people that you love in a way that works for you which is why i set up this podcast and which is why i set up our award-winning leaders plus fellowship program Today's guest is the fabulous Jane Beeston. She is the Chief People Officer at Colart. And if you ever admired artist work or bought really beautiful stationery or art supply products, then you probably will have seen something that has been created with Colart's product, um, which is a global, um, really exciting um, organization. Um, Jane has been one of the earliest champions of the idea of supporting Leaders with Babies to progress their careers and she's been one of the earliest champions of Leaders Plus, our social enterprise. Before anyone believed in the idea, I had a chat with my first baby on my breast in the lobby of the Collard offices and just talked through the idea of setting up a brilliant fellowship program involving line managers, involving partners for those who have partners and making it all about career progression for people like me who had small children. And I sat there obviously slightly nervous because it's not every day that you go into a big head office with a baby at your breast. And Jane was so supportive. She gave me lots of good tips and she was just amazing at believing in the idea. And I don't think Leaders Plus would have been here today in this format if she wasn't part of it. So I'm really pleased that I managed to (laughs) convince her to be part of this podcast and chat to her, you know, in a bit more depth about her own story. And because we know each other, we talk very frankly about her own story of combining an ambitious career with young children. Obviously, it's usually, sadly, most families, I'm generalizing here, I know, but a lot of families move across the globe for the male partner's job, assuming a heterosexual setup. But in Jane's case, her family moved to China because her job moved. And we talk frankly about what that was like and how she felt about making that decision. Um, She's also quite an interesting case study, I would say, in the sense of being a parent and the impact on your career. Because very often you hear people say, well, being a parent hinders your career or it has an impact on pay and all that. And to an extent, the statistics do support that there is an impact of 
especially for women, of having children. The impact is positive actually for men. But Jane is interesting because she says that what she has learned from being a parent actually helped her in terms of being a different leader, being a better leader. She's not in any way saying that you have to be a parent in order to be a good leader. But it's interesting to, to learn how she has changed and how actually that has made her the chief people officer that she is today. So yeah, I think that's extremely interesting from my perspective anyways. And I really hope you enjoy learning from her. And obviously she also is quite an interesting person because she practices what she preaches. So she is one of those people who is in the position of making decisions about people's workplace as the chief people officer and she shares quite honestly how she does that at Colart and how she seeks to put people's whole self in the middle of everything. Yeah, so you can hear my daughter is preferring looking to be with daddy which we're gonna bring her downstairs in a minute. So if uh, you do enjoy listening and you would like to be with other amazing people who are ambitious about their careers and who want to work through a structured program to get support they need to combine their careers, their family lives and to work towards their their hopes for both together and then do check out the Leaders Plus Fellowship program. You'll get a senior leader mentor, a super supportive, diverse community of peers and share the love for the career and family life. So check out Leaders Plus Fellowship if you are interested in topic just go to leadersplus.org.uk forward slash fellowship and a big thank you to Colart for um, sponsoring some of their employees to take part on the fellowship program. Enjoy today's conversation. So a very warm welcome Jane to the podcast. I'm delighted to have you here. Why don't we start with you telling our listeners who you are, what you do for work and who is in your family. So my name is Jane Beeston. I work for um, Collart and I'm the Chief People Officer and I have two grown-up sons now. So one is now 22 and one is 19. Brilliant and we probably should say how we know each other. So for those who've listened to the podcast for a while you know that we run the Leaders Plus Fellowship Programme which is a nine-month programme that really pushes people to progress their career and gives them the support um, whilst bringing up young children. And at the time, many people thought this was a very, very crazy idea. But And I reached out to lots of HR leaders, including you, Jane, on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. I think. It was LinkedIn. And you were one of the only people who said, why don't you come with your baby for a chat? And so I think I was breastfeeding in the Collard offices. And you you, were. you gave me plenty of advice and so much encouragement and support and yeah, I don't think Leaders Plus would have started the way it did without you. So a big, big thank you for that. Oh, it's a pleasure. And, and I could not not respond to it. I thought your idea was inspirational and it really resonated with me in terms of I wished I'd had something like this when I started having children. Thank you. Well, um, without getting cheesy, a big, big thank you for sure. So I guess we haven't really had a chance recently to chat properly outside of day-to-day things and and I think it's a really nice excuse to do so and and I'm interested in your own experience um taking you back to the time when your children were younger what did you enjoy about having both a really demanding exciting career and have young children side by side was there something that you enjoyed or was it just horrendous and you're glad it's over 
I suppose um, when I was in it, it wasn't something that identified as something that I enjoyed. But looking back, I can see how um, having children offered me so much in terms of personal development and growth. So I now wouldn't have done it any other way. So I look at the experiences, the opportunities and, and how it sort of created balance, bizarrely, in terms of the way I was, I was living my life. Interesting. Can you say more about how it created balances? I'm sure many people will be really surprised that you say that. And, and we mentioned we were talking earlier in terms of the importance of having a partner, a partnership in, in your relationship and in terms of taking equal weight with the, the children. But I'd say the reason why it gave me balance is that it made me more of a collaborative person. It actually made me think less about myself and more about others because you have a dependency on others. When you have children, you have dependency on friends doing pickup or you doing pickup for friends. And you, you start building up the links and collaborations and connections that actually develop those skills that add way more value in, in your professional life. So you become less of an egotist in terms of it's all about me, it's all about my career and more about how do you achieve success with and through others. That's so interesting because we're all fed this idea of the single leader, usually male, standing on a mountain and really you know, planting his or her flag. But you're saying it's cha having children made you more collaborative and that made you a better leader? Is, is that what you're saying? Yeah, definitely. Because, you know, what are leaders? We, in terms of a, a manager, you, you don't have the best answer. You don't know the best way to go. But you are a, empowering the team to help you. And therefore, you have to respect the team. You have to connect with them and listen. And and as we know, and children don't necessarily listen to you in terms of what you want. And therefore, you've got to find different ways to be able to connect with them to achieve a, a good end result. So I think it, it made me realize I don't have all the answers. I'm not perfect. Um, I can't do it all on my own. I need to work with others. I need to connect. And so it really made me grow as an individual. Mm, interesting. And some people listening to this might be on maternity or share parental leave and might have really leaned into this caring side of them. Yeah. And some of them tell me that they're a bit unsure whether they can switch between being extremely caring at home and then they think they have to be very assertive because of their role at work. But it sounds like you're saying, well, actually, you need to also bring that caring, loving almost way to your work. Completely. And and that's where I can see the, the value of becoming a parent, that you connect on a human level. Because, yes, we can be dictatorial and we can tell and we can yeah, be the sort of the aggressive, arrogant, standalone leader, but you're not going to get the best results long term. And I, I think that's a massive lesson for anybody. And, and I would actually say, why switch? Why go from the caring, empowering, nurturing, um, supportive person in your home life? Why drop that at the door of the office or wherever you work and actually think that you've got to be somebody else? Because actually you achieve more, uh, you are more impactful if you are your whole self, you bring your whole self to work. Yeah, and that's quite powerful coming from you because if I remember right, you've lived that, so you've actually become more senior even in the last few years from, I think you were UK HR director and then 
global chief people officer. I may be wrong here, but it, yeah, is it's, that right? it's been a progression from um, looking after one site to looking after the UK, looking after UK and North America, and then the, the global piece. And I suppose my my role and responsibility has evolved as as I've evolved um, as an individual. But I'd I'd actually absolutely say that being a parent has has helped that. Oh, that is so amazing to hear. As I'm sure, <laughs> well, obviously I'm slightly biased, but yes, that's amazing to hear. But actually on this issue of being promoted, I guess putting my cards on the table, I really care about people who have other things in their lives, for example, children being promoted as often as people who don't. Um, is there anything that you did differently compared to others who maybe weren't promoted? Are you aware of anything or is it just luck? No, and, and I think maybe... You know, if, if I'd sort of changed organizations and had more confidence in myself, maybe I'd been promoted sooner. And I, and I think that's a, a sort of personal growth that I've gone through and that I can see with women in the organization that what's holding them back is their own confidence and the, the desire for perfection. And I think I was guilty of that, just thinking I can't do it or I can't balance. So therefore I'm going to compromise and therefore I don't want to let anyone down. And you can actually see that the only person that's being let down is is you as an individual by putting that that barrier or this this um, pursuit of perfection and excellence in front of you, as opposed to recognizing all of the the, um, the strengths and the experiences that you've gained as a parent, and that you can offer any organisation. Mm, that's very true. Um, on the fellowship, we talk about it being a proving yourself again trap this idea that you have to work extra hard be extra good to prove yourself and you really don't have to but what made you so it sounds like you have made a switch to allow yourself not to be a perfectionist anymore um i don't know if you're always able to let that go but what has changed for you why do you think you're now allowing yourself not to be a perfectionist i think it's sort of aligned with recognizing the importance of, of the collaboration and recognizing that actually it's not about you being excellent, it's about the team being excellent and it's about um, working together and appreciating the the values and skills of, of other people. So you then put less pressure on yourself because you're one part within that, I suppose, connective organism. Mm. So you, when I met with you first time and I had this idea, yeah, you struck me as someone who has it together, who's obviously very successful professionally. You look like you are, you know, you're doing, like you're a high achiever. You're doing things really well. And I'm just interested, have you had any moments where you felt it was tough or maybe you were failing at combining the career you had with the children? Can you give me an example? <laughs> yeah, all the time. And it's, and it's something that, whether it ever really goes, but you stop beating yourself up and you stop um, expecting the perfection. So, but I think it's something that you, know, you talk about, um, people talk about the imposter syndrome. That, that never really goes, but it's about giving yourself a break and, and recognising that you can't be absolutely perfect and, and recognising that as a parent, there is no such thing as a perfect parent and, and we're all going to make mistakes but learn from it. So, yeah, I think it's it's just acceptance, acceptance that you are who you are. You are you have your your strengths and your, your preferences, and actually celebrate those as opposed to focusing on 
things that you can't do. But then through the what I learned as a parent, the importance of collaborating, partnering with people, actually find your partners um, within the organisation, outside of the organisation, are going to complement you. Mm. Just looking back now, 10 years or so, is there anything that you would tell yourself about combining young children with an ambitious career? Anything that you would have loved to know, even practical things that you adjusted, you know, you found out the hard way, but maybe you would have loved to know earlier on? I think I would have given more space to my kids to be themselves. And that's something that I've sort of recognised that I can't completely mould their personality. They have their personality, so therefore you um, celebrate where their preferences are. And I think I've, I've learned to do that, but I think I would have done it sooner and I would have stopped um, comparing. But comparison always leads to unhappiness and it's about celebrating um, who you are, what you have, and um, and actually enjoy it more as opposed to you know, seeking that perfection. And you mentioned the imposter syndrome. So you say you still have it. Yeah, I think I do. I've become mature in a way of responding to it. But I'm amazed by how many people do. And I think it's a rarity not to have it rather than thinking you're the only one that does have it. And then it goes back to reminding yourself, what have you achieved? What have you done? And and looking for the positive as opposed to trying to find fault with things. Would you mind sharing, and you can absolutely say no, but would you mind sharing a recent moment where you you have felt the power of the imposter syndrome and just sharing how in that moment you dealt with it? Yeah, I think, I think it's a, a good one. We were talking about um, the experience that I had in, in China and and that was when I moved out a, um, the, a few years ago. That was actually my later age of my career. That was actually a really, really good learning opportunity and I wished I'd had that sooner that I was moving into a, an area, there was no real framework. So it was, it was very ambiguous in, in terms of what I'm doing. I was doing a very different um, culture and environment and, and wasn't necessarily welcoming in terms of understanding the, the purpose of me being out there. And there was a desire to sort of have an immediate impact and to try and achieve the need for achievement. And actually what that first year of the when I was out there and taught me was that actually things do take time and the power of the relationship and the power of allowing things to happen through the way you collaborate the way you build relationships the way that you connect with people as opposed to pushing and and I suppose it sort of links with what I was saying about letting your kids be your kids allow their personality to come through without forcing it into something that you think they should be. And then actually relationships become enhanced and you get to a better end result quicker in the long run than if you're trying to force it. So I think that was a a really good learning opportunity for me to know that I could achieve just by being me as opposed to what I'm actually doing in terms of actions and tangibles and so on. But actually, it's the understanding that you need you need the confidence to just be you, and then things will flow from it. I don't know if that whether that makes sense to you, but it was it was a real sort of learning opportunity for me. Mm, it does make a lot of sense, and I think it's quite interesting that you were saying that to me rather than a leader in a charity or a 
leader in the NHS. But as I'm saying that because you are in a global private sector business and you're saying to me the thing that is was most powerful to learn was that power of the connection and being human. Yeah, and I think that's what we as an organisation have learned through our own transformation is the importance of people first. We talk about it before and we would talk about having a great people strategy and really developing our people and building engagement and so on. But actually, it's about the humanity in work. And, and that's what you know, COVID has, has taught us, that you can't just see the person in the job. You actually have to see the person and then you, the job that they do, the things that are going on outside, and it's the importance of that whole person. And I think that's where we as an organisation have had a, a great learning that we've got to respect and value the whole person because it, if you don't, you're not going to get the end results. And I'm not saying we're, we're perfect, but it, it has been a real understanding for people in the organisation. Obviously, that sounds very easy to do. On a beautiful day like today, the sun is shining, everything is fine. But how do you, can you give an example, obviously without naming names, and if you can't, as an HR leader, I understand, but it'd be interesting to hear an example of when you have had to make a decision actively to be humane in an environment where actually it could have very easy, been very easy to just follow the processes. It's not saying that you don't can do away with the processes. You you obviously need processes, and um, if you're doing a, a redundancy situation, you can't avoid the processes. But there is a there is a way of of doing it in the in a human to human way that you're you're respecting the individual and, and listening. And I think that's something that you know, we've made lots of changes in the organisation, and we have tried to do it in a very respectful way. And see the person that, that we're dealing with. I'm sure we've we've made mistakes, but I, I think it is something that is we're we're really building this core to the way that we are as a as a company. But it, it depends, you know, it's not just through me or through the HR team, it depends on our leadership. And therefore that has been very much something that we focused on is how we as leaders um play our part. And that's where I see leaders as parents as being so so powerful because they're more likely to get it and more likely to understand the importance of you just can't do it through yourself and you can't do it through power you've got to do it through influence and relationship and respect and listening and so on so true couldn't agree with you more um just coming back to the relationships piece so one thing we've been talking a lot about with the fellows recently is how to create meaningful relationships with the children, even though you're working extremely long. So obviously we have, on our fellowship program, we have probably about at least 20% of people who are from the NHS this year. I don't know why, it just seems to be uh, a quirk who applied. And I'm just interested is, you know, they obviously are under huge amount of pressure. And, And I'm sure you've been under a lot of pressure in your career. How did you manage to keep a good relationship with your children even though you didn't see them so much or not as much as a stay-at-home mother yeah I don't, I don't know and you ask my my sons now they they do laugh about me in in terms of they were always the ones left in the after school club and I was the last one to turn up and it's become a bit of a, a running joke but I suppose when we were together 
we had a lot of fun and and sport was very very important for us as a family because that that really brought us together brought a, something that we could all connect with so yeah I, I don't know I, I'm really really proud of our, the relationship I have with, with the boys now they still want to come on holiday with us they still want to um, to be around us and I think it's just actually I'd actually say it's because I weren't that I had, I didn't have time to overthink the way we were bonding in our relationship. That I loved them, they knew I loved them, they knew that they could um, come to me if there was any problem. And they knew that when we had spare time, we did it with them. Our weekends were about their sport, their entertainment and, and so on. So yeah, maybe the fact that I was working and they could see that I was fulfilled they could see that I was achieving something I wanted to do, that I didn't put pressure on demanding from them. Mm. That's such an interesting perspective. And I think it's very important for people to hear because obviously you do, you do, everyone wants to be a really good parent and hearing from you that actually, I mean, by my definition, if your children still want to go on holiday with you, by the age they're turned then you've been a very good parent. And I think that you were able to do that with your role is a really important thing to hear and very reassuring yeah and and then it goes back to what I said earlier don't compare don't compare don't um don't look at what other people are doing with their their children or or think that's the right way it's it's about I I suppose it's that, that consistency the consistency of the love that you give your kids the consistency of them seeing you as an individual the whole individual you're not just mum you are you're not just dad you are an individual in your own rights and you're respecting them as an individual and you also because you have to give them space so they learn and they're empowered and and they grow as opposed to being thoroughly dependent on you so actually by default you but as a parent and it's stressful and you have to balance things and you've got pressures coming from all angles by default you're growing an individual more comprehensively because there is no other way you're not dedicating your whole life and every second of your day to that that mini individual. Mm, absolutely. And I think this not comparing point is such an important one because if we want to be in a different world in 10 or 20 years' time, we do have to have individuals who lead their lives in a way that isn't in line with the current expectations, which is still that the majority of people who, you know, lots of women especially, take the foot off the pedal a little bit. With their career. Not, there are many who don't, but there's social expectation sometimes to, to slow down. And for those for whom this is the right choice to do that for a few years, that's absolutely fine. But I think we need to give ourselves permission to not do what everyone else is doing if we want to change the world. Absolutely. And if you want to not have a career and you want to be with the kids, fine. That's great. That's completely up to you. But, but you should never have to give up your career because of the expectations of others. And actually, it will only lead to resentment in the long run because it will seep through. It will, you will then, you know, maybe years later, you'll start comparing yourself to friends you carried on working. And that resentment, that negativity will seep through to the relationship you have with the kids. So therefore, you, you've got to, got to, I'm not insisting, but as a parent, um, think about what is important to you. And if, if you are absolutely being just a full-time mother is everything you've ever wanted, great. 
that if you love your career and you want to have that balance, then then don't compromise on it because the children will not suffer. If you're happy, if you're fulfilled and you, you're still giving them the time when you're not at work, then that can only be a, a sort of positive relationship. Mm, couldn't agree more. And do I remember right that your family, the whole family moved to China for your career? Is that right? They did, yeah. So one son, one son was at, um, was at university, so the youngest son came with us and finished school. And your husband as well, is that right? Yeah, he did. He gave up his career. So we were wanted to, to go overseas a, a number of times, and there were a number of opportunities um, for him, which didn't, it wasn't the right decision in the end. And so then when this came up with my job, um, he didn't blink. It was basically, we're absolutely taking this opportunity. I wanted to do it. And he was there supporting. And as it turned out, it opened some fantastic doors for him. So his career has completely changed coming back and um, and pointed it in a very a different direction, which he's super happy about. But it was very interesting in terms of being in a, a city where a lot of the expats gathered together. And I was one of many, many there from the school, but there are only two women whose jobs had actually brought them out there and the rest had been uh, the women with the training spouse. And it was really interesting by the reaction of some of the people. It was fine with me, but the reaction to my husband, which was not the most positive. Mm. And I think it's an extremely brave thing to do for a man as for a woman to not follow the beaten path. Did you receive any reactions for moving your family? To China, did you receive any judgments or any expectations, or not really? No, I think I was, I was really fortunate in that um, a number of my friends actually are the breadwinner, and and the husbands don't work. So, um, so I suppose within my my peer group, um, it wasn't seen as abnormal. And then when we were out there, I, I didn't receive any sort of negative reaction from people, but it was more the husband's reaction to my husband. Mm. Mm. Interesting. And so we, we then disengaged from the sort of expat community and had a much more fulfilling um, few years there and engaging with other people. Mm. Which probably wasn't a bad thing because you, I imagine you wanted to experience China while you were in China, not necessarily just the expat exactly. community. Well, hats off to him for doing something really brave um, and it's, it sounds like it's been a brilliant experience. Yeah, I totally agree. He can now speak some good Chinese and Mandarin and, and I can't. I can organise <laughs> a taxi, book and order food and, and maybe barter in the supermarket, but that's it. <laughs> well, even that is, is uh, quite an achievement, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Many of those of us who have tried to learn Mandarin will, will know. So I'm just interested as well, in terms of, obviously, you are an, you've been an HR director, you're now chief people officer. I'm going to ask you, we can edit this out if you'd rather not answer, but I want to talk to you about pay. And the reason why is because I do think equal pay is super important. And I'm just interested, is there anything that you would tell your younger self about getting equal pay yourself? Yeah, is there any, guess, behind the scenes knowledge that you can share, things people usually do wrongly when they're looking at getting justifiable you know the, the, the right pay 
What I say, I think it's about being clear the value that you're adding, and it's it's a really difficult one because obviously I could see salary, so I'm it's um, I'm far more fortunate position. But when you're you're looking at salaries around, you don't necessarily know what your your colleagues are earning. The only the only route that you have is looking at benchmarks in in the market, and I think it's about reinforcing the value that you're adding. And having an, an open conversation with your your line manager in terms of your the worth that you offer, and having a, a non emotional, rational conversation as to why it is or it isn't being recognised when it comes to to your reward, and and believing in that, and it goes back to the confidence of believing in your worth and the value that you offer. And obviously, if you work in a arm of the business that is about income generation then you can calculate that value reasonably easily absolutely but how do you how do you generally know your value yeah really really difficult and that, that's why I say you can only look at, at the job that you're doing and it's perceived value in the market in terms of roles which look similar in similar size of business in similar industry whatever it may be and then you have those those benchmarks that you can compare against. And I suppose it's only if you know that you are being underpaid compared to a colleague, then you have a, a tangible in terms of the comparative worth of the two roles. And also you, in terms of your salary, motivation, engagement, it's not just about the money. It's about whether you're getting respect and, and personal professional development in your role. So therefore, it's, it's sort of like a holistic judgment. If what you're offering, is it being recognised and rewarded in comparison to benchmark? And if it and if it, it isn't, all of the other things that you experience in your job, are there enough to compensate for it? And if they're not, then you, you look elsewhere. But you, you have that open conversation with your line manager and to say, this is where I believe um, you're not recognising the value I add, and this is the evidence that I have in terms of making comparisons with benchmark industry, and just make it non-emotional. Mm. Yeah, I think I hear that call for being non-emotional, and that seems to me a very important one because you do feel anxious, understandably, about having that type of conversation. You probably feel emotional if you think you're treated unfairly, but that just these are the facts. This is what I'm bringing. And then it becomes a conversation that is okay to have rather than this massive thing that you have to prepare for for many, many hours. Mm. Yeah. And then having, if it is in that, that open way, then you can then say to your line manager, well, okay, I, I respect what you're saying. If you can't, you can't match that figure, but just so that you're aware that is the figure that I'm seeking. And therefore I will be looking to actually have it matched somewhere else. And, and you can have that con that conversation. I really enjoy it here. I, I think you really respect me. I think you you can see the value, but just know that I hear you, understand what you're saying, but I'm not happy with it. So obviously I, I will be looking at my options. Mm, I love that. And hearing it from you, it just sounds so, as you say, it's just a very factual um, yeah. factual thing. And when, when people do it, there's, there's no argument that you can have. If you really value the person and everything that they're saying in terms of the activities, the responsibilities that, that they have and, and the results that they're achieving, you just have one or two decisions, which is, is either one, you, you match the salary, 
do you you maybe have a pathway to matching that salary or you recognize that you're going to lose the person mm. very interesting and and very interesting also to hear from you who's obviously at the other side often of these decision making processes and, and that you're looking at it in such a just rational just factual way um without it being a big massive emotional thing um i think we are coming towards the end of our chat together and i think it'd be really interesting to come back to the main you know the topic that we started off with which is what you learned and quite a few people that are on the leaders plus fellowship program or that I talk to elsewhere say well actually we we maybe feel a bit less confidence now um because we feel we have to overcompensate and i was just wondering if there's a one or two practical things that you could recommend to people who want to build their confidence as parents in the workplace and if nothing comes to mind that's fine as well i would say it's always helpful to to write it down but to write what have you learned about being becoming a parent how has it made you different what value does it add and then what is it that you're proud of um and to just almost like build a, a mantra and just to keep reminding you, yourself of that and because you know maternity leave i know how much confidence you can lose because you're not in in the environment um all the time and therefore you you think can you cut it and and that also affects women later in their careers as they hit menopause and you start to to lose confidence and then you go through this, this dip that where women face um and it's important to just remember to remember who you are what you do what you bring and why you're just as valuable as as anybody else and i think it's just surround yourself with people that you can have that dialogue with that can remind you who you are and hold a mirror up to you because um what we do is we forget and you need people to if you can't build your confidence just through reminding yourself it's good to have those um buddying type relationships that that you support each other and i think that's why it's, it's so important to, um the relationships that you make through your children to sort of maintain those because they see you and we don't always see ourselves accurately mm that is so true and that's also you know when we did the fellowship we that's exactly why we have really small groups because then you create these champions for each other and when you are having a day where you think I'm packing all this in I can't do it and I'm rubbish you have people remind you actually these are the things that you're good at these are the things that came up as, as strength when you did the work on the fellowship program and so on I think you everyone needs that everyone needs that and everyone deserves that whether being part of the fellowship or elsewhere with your friendship group Um, completely agree completely agree and that and that's what makes um actually work enjoyable if you can develop those buddying type relationships which is why i really feel strongly about mentoring that it's not about having the answers but it's about somebody who's who's there for you who wants to help you develop yourself this sort of gestalt view that the um nobody has the answer for you you have your own answers but you just need that platform to to hear yourself say yeah actually I'm quite good I can do that and I add value very true well said Jane well said if people want to find out more about you or Colart where should they go 
They can check us out on our, our website, colorart.com, um, or I'm on LinkedIn. And we're very, we're very open to people wanting to know more about us. We are a fantastic and creative company that supplies amazing quality products to, to help artists in terms of our paint and brushes and so on. So I feel very lucky. That's another thing I should say, that I work in, in such a, an inspiring environment, so creative. And actually, I would say people should look more at, at artists because artists, by their, their training, are trained to be open. They're trained to critique each other. They're trained to give feedback and receive feedback. And they're also um, trained and have it inherited in them that they, they don't destroy their, their inner creativity and they don't allow themselves to be restricted by this sort of perception of it's not good enough. As they say that everyone's an artist, it's just we, we grow up and therefore we have our own um, views of it's not good enough. And, and that's what I totally admire about artists is that they explore and they give it a go and they test and they learn and they're open to each other. And I think if we all do that at work, um, it would add a, a lot of value to ourselves. It's very true. I'm, I was just looking when I have it on my desk. Um, someone recommended to me this um, oblique strategy. So I don't know if you know it. Basic, I think it's co- it comes from artists and it's a box of cards that ask questions. So if you have a problem and you want to look at it from a new perspective, it's there. So I'm, I'll pick a random one. And yeah, for example, now what to maintain. So if I have a question, then it will, it's, it's like a random question that's meant to create a new perspective and it's is exactly designed to bring the thinking of an artist into your day-to-day life and um, so yeah if yeah, yeah. <laughs> i don't have any shares in them but uh yeah, it's <laughs> yeah but that that's great and and that's how they would approach their approach their practice and i think we can all learn from artists very true very true and that, actually on that note regarding call art generally we obviously have had quite a few people now from you and generally you know i'm getting really good feedback about how well supported they are so if there are parents thinking about checking you out as an employer and um, i would support them definitely having a look at your website or getting in touch with you definitely definitely and we're absolutely supportive of flexible working and it applies to everybody regardless whether they have children or not we it's about the individual definitely amazing Thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation as much as I did. If you are like listening to this and would like to consider applying for the next cohort of the Leaders Plus Fellowship, then please go to leadersplus.org.uk forward slash fellowship. Um, applications are open now and close on 1st of March 2022. We are only having one intake of fellows per year. Um, we have a cohort both uh, so both mums dads all genders are welcome we have a cohort for colleagues joining us from all over the globe as well as uk based cohort we have a cohort for people who have children at primary school age and also for a cohort for people with children at baby toddler preschooler age um as a fellow you join a nine month award-winning program together with a supportive group of parents across different sectors who share that they are passionate about developing their careers and also love their children. As you can see, my or here, my child is still poorly in the background and being extremely well behaved while I record this outro. And on this topic, actually, we always have children, not sick children, but we do have children on the call. So if you 
choose to join, you can bring your baby along. Quite a few people do the fellowship program whilst they're on maternity leave. You get structured sessions with world-class expert facilitators to help you figure out what you want in your career, have time to think and progress your career in a way that works for you. So we're looking for people who are not just passionate about developing their own careers, but also who want to be part of the change to create a world where every parent can thrive at work, including in a senior role. So do have a look at leadersplus.org.uk forward slash fellowship. And I look forward to speaking to you again next week.